0: And welcome to episode nine of the complete Agnes Varda. I am Matt Gasteyer. Uh, I'm here as usual with my co host Travis Trudell. Hello, Travis.
1: Hey, Matt. How's it going?
0: It's going really well. Uh, you ready I... to talk
1: all things Fleetwood Mac?
0: Uh, Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> Wait, what is happening? Oh, murmurs. I get it. Oh, like rumors. I thought
1: it was rumors. <laughs> Shit. I've wow. really screwed up. Oh,
0: my God. You have kids, don't you? I can yes. tell. Of course i do um so uh this is murmurs this is a uh documentary that varda made um in 1980 although i've seen it marked 81 in certain places i don't know if it's 80 or 81 but anyway um it was paired with another of her films which is the next uh feature that we'll be discussing um both in terms of like release and she really thought of it as kind of like a diptych. Um, However, we're sticking with our uh, usual one episode per feature uh, format. So we'll be discussing that one in more depth uh, and comparing it to this um, in the next episode. Um, But for now, I want to focus on um, Murmurs, which is uh, a documentary about Uh, murals in my uh, hometown of Los Angeles California Um, and uh, this was a movie that she made after coming back to California uh, after being away for most of the 1970s Um, briefly separated from uh, her husband Jacques to me I kind of tried to do some digging on like what the deal was and um, you know, where she was at at this point in her her uh, her personal life, but, um, you know, maybe she may talk about this in her book, uh, which has not been translated into English, um, or uh, in um, her Varda by Agnes uh, documentary, which I think neither one of us has seen, so we'll hold off on that, but I don't know if you uh, encountered any additional information about this. It seems like she came to Los Angeles to make another shot to take another shot at making a movie in Hollywood. Is yeah, that right? yeah.
1: She had a. It was called the the Naked Man. I think it was called. Um, she had come to Hollywood. Uh, she felt um, that her deal with Paramount was a uh, or Columbia. I think it was Columbia with the last one. Uh, she was really upset by that, and she really liked um, kind of getting into the social political scene there and so she went back and she was actually doing some reportage and gathering more information for things and she came across a story about <clears throat> a man that wa- left his house naked one day and was basically murdered by a police officer um, just the police officer and a naked man and it turned into like you know, cop got off scot free. Um, mental health issue stuff. The the woman that she was interviewing, um, you know, she got to become a form a really great relationship with her, and decided to make this a subject of an of another film.
0: Right. The and woman was was the the guy's like significant yeah, other.
1: Yeah. 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 It was her. Yeah. It was it was uh, the same. Yeah. It was the partner of that uh, of the naked man and. And so you know things went on she started writing a script and uh, as as we've discovered in all of artists career uh, no one wants to make her movies so she has to make her own and so she didn't get funding for it and so she decided to continue with her new passion which was checking out all the uh, all the street art happening in Los Angeles at that time
0: yeah and um she mentions some other additional uh potential projects that she was hoping to get started in some of the interviews that i read um from her around this time she just had you know pretty much the same experience in in uh hollywood that she had in france in terms of just nobody really uh, wanting to close the deal with her on making a movie they like to talk to her about it but they didn't actually um put up the money at the end of the day uh and it's kind of funny like hearing her talk about hollywood because um you know a lot of these uh interviews uh, around this time she really just talks a lot about hollywood <laughs> and the studio system and then she also talks about how she doesn't really want to talk about it because she doesn't really like it and she's not interested <laughs> in it and uh it's 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 a little, a little like uh, you know the Lady Death protest too, too much <laughs> kind of situation. Like it seems like she's got this um, real uh, pull and fascination with uh, the Hollywood industry um, that she was never really able to um, come to terms with uh, intellectually, and I think you know she, uh, even though she kind of eventually. Uh, moved on in her filmmaking career Uh, I think this was definitely something that she really wanted to make happen just wasn't able to get it done
1: yeah I agree I think she was fascinated with the whole idea and probably being in that environment and seeing all these other things happening I think she talked about at the time she was uh, on her return trip she was uh, hanging out a lot with Cassavetes and Chimino, uh, Chimino, yeah, Chimino, Semino. Yeah, I say Semino. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think it, if it was
0: Italian, it would Michael. be Chimino. But Cimino. I don't. I think it's like Americanized.
1: All right. So yeah, she was hanging out with them quite often, and so seeing how they were getting stuff made and and you know her struggling as usual just kind of solidified that idea of you know not getting the proper respect in Hollywood, not getting things done. So. Um, I think, I think on our uh, was it our second series that was that stat that you threw out, Matt? Something like Elaine May was the only female director working in Hollywood at that time.
0: Yeah, there were only I think fourteen movies made by women between the the start of the Code and uh, nineteen eighty or eighty one. So it was not it wasn't going to be an easy uh thing for her to accomplish anyway but also like hearing the things that she was kind of interested in making like it would not have gone well like i don't think a movie no. about like a mentally ill naked man that gets shot by the police is going to be burning up the charts in the late 70s no. early 80s uh, hollywood no i
1: mean may, may, maybe in late 60 early 70s but not not in the 80s <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're just around the corner from everything's a blockbuster so um, it becomes hard to make small films which uh, you know, I think she pointed out I think one of her lines is something on uh, you know every, no matter what we do everyone in Hollywood sees European directors as you know quaint little small filmmakers no matter you know no matter if it's Jean-Luc Godard or herself or, or Truffaut no matter how big their movie is in France it's still a, a, a cute yeah. little European film and so, because of that, you know, she had a hard time. I think she said something about a, <clears throat> um, uh, her husband when they were making a model shop. Said something like he had 80, 80 members of his crew, and he just left yeah. them in the parking lot <laughs> and took fifteen with him to go make his movie. And they just uh, got paid to sit around playing cards in their trailers. That's
0: what you do, right? On the set, you just that's play what cards I do. That's all. That's trailer? all I
1: do. I play I play hearts <laughs> and uh, I read a lot. <laughs> I don't watch these movies though, not on the job. <laughs> it's tacky it's tacky. It's like wearing a your the T shirt of your favorite band to a concert.
0: You're go see. Um, yeah, I mean uh, she mentions that uh, of of any of the new wave directors, only Maul was able to have any kind of a notable career in the US. Um, which is, you know, I think not surprising when you look at the films that that Maul was making and and especially his versatility in terms of you know being able to kind of jump around from from genre to genre which Varda could do for sure but I think it it was always in it was always going to be a Varda movie and I think Maul can disappear a little bit more into the studio system effectively and still retain his essence
1: I agree I think uh yeah she's too brassy and out and forward to uh to you know she would never get hired for a Marvel movie.
0: <laughs> well, I mean I think her movies have a very specific distinct personal <laughs> point of view and I think the one that we're going to no. talk about today definitely uh has that in spades. Um what did you think of of Murmurs?
1: Um so I watched it twice. I I guess I would say I liked it, but it wasn't as I guess cohesive as I wanted it to be um, I like the subject matter and I like the setting and the area the cinematographer is fantastic um, some of the characters she digs up are like off the street or a treat um, I think that there's like three or four competing ideas in here that you could kind of see, like, maybe she was thinking, oh, I'll do it this way, like that character of the visitor, like, uh, maybe maybe I'll do it like that, but then it kind of gets sidelined, and then, you know, her interviews with some of the artists are, some of them are well done, some of them you can tell they're very uncomfortable, and so there's no, there's like a wall up between us and them, so... Overall, I did like it, but there were aspects of it that I had a, a hard time with, but the subject matter was fascinating. I guess that's that's my, my best way, you know, until we start digging into it more to kind of sum it up, that I did like it. I watched it twice. I wasn't bored. Um, I just felt that there were some aspects of it that didn't feel ironed out, like she would then later clean up and move on it feels like a transitional film like she was thinking about something else while doing this as a kind of a um a new experiment or test for herself to try something which is always great when a filmmaker is uh is doing that but there's something kind of just off for me about it interesting about you, Matt? what do you what do you think
0: yeah I love this movie um it's uh very um it's very difficult for me to kind of judge it on a uh objective level because it to to me it says so much about los angeles and the place that i'm from and the culture that is so often overlooked in the telling of the story of the city um and i think more than any other film it makes me feel like i'm at home um Uh, you know i think this is uh certainly one of the best movies made about los angeles um but i you know i i think you're definitely right in the sense of there's a lot of ideas in here and they aren't necessarily all uh doing the same thing um you know and i don't want to get get go back into the like messy on purpose uh, excuse <laughs> but la is really messy <laughs> oh yeah and, no um and i, I think like y- you know there there's always the through line of her perspective here and i think the thing that that uh, strikes me as so kind of um specific to varda um you know she said she wanted to make uh her first film essentially to like have the pictures move um in her photography and the combination of the murals and the way that she shoots people against the murals um and the way that she sort of plays with moving the camp panning the camera tilting the camera across the murals um feels so essential to her identity as a filmmaker that I think the movie works really well in her as well in her catalog as it does in the overall um, portrait of Los Angeles that's been shown on film.
1: Yeah, no. And I, I don't disagree with you at all on any of those points. I love, I love seeing, I think any like, you know, growing up on the East coast, growing up in Maine, Uh, Los Angeles is readily confused with only Beverly Hills and Hollywood. There is no idea of Los Angeles except for this place that exists so you can get to those two things. And seeing the culture there, exploring the communities, um, I loved how game all the locals were for being on camera um and i loved like you said the way that the the camera explores the murals the way that she's incorporating humans into the murals um you know staging people that are wearing stripes next to people with stripes or uh, posing someone um i think a lot about when uh uh kent Twitchell's uh got the the giant mural outside the unemployment office of the mm-hmm. uh of the five people yeah and he, they're standing next to them and then she has them walk forward and hit a mark that makes them fill their perspective perfectly so they're covering their murals in their positions all that stuff like that was the the good the the stuff that i love the the moving murals, the ones that are in the back of the trucks and she's parking in very ironic or, or you know, fun places. Like, that all stuff was, was totally working for me. I think there was something weird about... It was almost like she had some of the artists in their interviews write what they wanted to say, memorize it, and then give it back... As they did these, very—I want to say—uncomfortable, but they—they they felt so just stuffy, kind of walking while trying to talk about what they want to talk about. Like I guess the the stuff where the artists are working, or like or like immersed in their 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 work. Yeah, that stuff felt more true to the artist spirit of the people who were making these giant murals, and when it became kind of almost kinda of like that stand up news reporter walking into his frame to be able and delivering this human interest story kind of method. It was almost like a news method of starting some of these interviews. That was the parts that felt it felt kinda of so contrived and forced that I was kinda of like I can't tell if these people are awkward or if the position she's having them do something that makes it awkward. Because a lot of times it's like that first shot, getting to know them, and then you hear them talking about their work, and you're like, okay, this is great. But that just that one section, and it almost felt like she was experimenting with this, you know, this method of oh, I'm going to instead of just having people standing there next to their still murals. I'm gonna have them be more dynamic and move. Is this
0: like the guy who like who's who's in the um, like hanging in front of his his mural, the the one that's like the father, the son, the Holy Ghost painting. Oh,
1: like that's a, that's a no. See, I didn't even mind that one because I just think that dude's weird. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I was he's okay clearly weird, him. yeah, because <laughs> he's just weird. You know, talking about how the. The son from my my yeah. you know uh, my favorite son is a perfect re- representation of Jesus. I'm totally down <laughs> with that guy. So la like he he's, he is he's a perfect example. See, I like that. I think it was like it was like it was Willie Willie uh, Haron. Uh, he was walking with his sunglasses and his skinny tie, and he had his black shirt on. Yeah. and He was walking like that whole interaction and the interaction of the woman Baker as she walks out and gets midway, and says something, and then walks further down, and then, like, it just, like, all of that felt so unnatural, and even the, uh, even the shot, which I just thought was absolutely hilarious, you couldn't put this shot in a comedy movie, I mean, maybe Wes Anderson would have this in his movie, but it's the shot of her, the head baker, with her two bakers to the left and right of her, yeah. walking down the LA street together, <laughs> and you could tell these two guys are completely like, "What the hell are we doing?" <laughs> and like everyone else doesn't know what they do because they look like they're a gang, like the Baker Gang, <laughs> coming coming down, um, like that kind of stuff. Like, it worked, but it felt so odd sometimes that it, like, if it was an odd tone throughout, like a how Errol Morris will just have these odd characters and the tone carries throughout the whole entire documentary, but because it kind of bounces around where you have, like, some serious conversations and some, like, I, you know, and I understand it's across culture. That's, I, I guess the thing that I appreciate the most about this movie is Vardar's commitment to wanting to understand humanity and be a part of it. Like her, her willingness to be like, I'm here. I'm the foreigner. I'm in your community, and I want to know everything, and I want to meet everyone, and I want to fly off on this tangent and follow this guy around, and I want to uh, let the lady who I randomly asked a question about murals, and she decides to sing me a song. Oh my god, dude, that is beautiful, unbelievable. And, like I did not expect that voice to yeah. come out of that lady. And when she does, it's absolutely gorgeous. And uh, Willie Harone's band, The Illegals, them playing their song across the street from a mural. Like, like there was so much of it that works that these weird little sections really kind of just, it took me out of a mood and I don't know, and it could just be me. Like I watched it twice and I just like, it just felt like I, did, I didn't want to laugh at these people because what they're doing is really serious and interesting stuff but then they're walking with their arms straight by their sides. It's almost like they were all being like how David Byrne gets interviewed. Like everything is weird and I'm trying to be normal. <laughs> like but that could just be the art scene in the in the 80s in LA and I just don't know anything about it. So I don't know. It was but I you know everything about the murals, the stuff talking about them was fantastic. I'm sorry, I'm rambling, Matt. Please. No, no. Bring me I, back. I, I
0: totally hear what you're saying. I mean, I think, like, for uh, it's funny, um, the New York Times just like, if you read, I, I mean, I feel like every single movie we do on this season, I read the New York, the contemporary New York Times review, and it's just trashing the movie. <laughs> uh-huh. So this time around, it was Janet Maslin's turn to uh-huh. not like a Varda movie. Um and she basically said like the murals are great and it's whenever varda shuts up it's a really enjoyable movie <laughs> oh, it's see, like in really missed miss the point of the yeah. movie
1: <laughs> her interjections and her communications were great like i like that yeah. um yeah <laughs> there were two yeah two things that didn't work for me is the visitor girl is that um, yeah
0: are you talking about juliette berto yeah julia yeah.
1: berto like just this you know this fourth wall breaking character do you, do
0: you get i got the sense uh so yeah julia berto uh big big new wave act french new wave actress um probably most associated with um Rivette. uh she's um one of the leads in out one um has the has the uh many of the watchable scenes in out one <laughs> yeah <laughs> um she uh do you get the sense that uh there's probably like more footage with her and that potentially there was a different Varda had a different movie in mind than she ended up with.
1: That's exactly what I was thinking. It felt like the idea that she's credited as the visitor and that potentially, you know, she would have been a stand in for Varda because Varda many a times, you know, is talking about something or, you know, her travelogue videos or documentor, you know, just she has these people who are stand-ins for her that do like the more kind of poetic portions of what she's thinking about, like how she ties uh, Icarus to uh, angels and she has that yeah. little rhyme she says, like that kind of stuff She she's had in other documentaries, but it's usually just like a – Uh, an ambiguous voice that's that's different from hers chiming in with these fun little things. And I think that it might have been the whole movie was going to be her walking... I I almost feel like she got like a quarter of the way into this and says, you know what? The stuff I want to do with you, I'm going to turn into a feature film after this where it's a person walking around and and interacting and being a part of this, you know, and and she and she just kind of like said, okay, now this isn't working anymore. It's like she had her for like two days, and, yeah, and that was it. And she went back to France or something like that, or she went to work, and Varda only had that much footage with her, and it kind because that's why it sticks out as kind of like, well, what's going on here? Like, you know, I was like, oh, okay, and then she just disappears and then shows back up later. For the Harry, for the uh, for the uh, juggler who's uh, who's uh, an evangelical Christian uh, that yeah. creeps, creeps me the hell. Yeah. Out. <laughs> hey, look at this entertaining guy! God, <laughs> like no, what are you doing? when? But uh, yeah, no, I do feel like she was, she might have been a part of a separate idea or a different idea or a different thought for how to approach the subject. Yeah. but then it just you know didn't work out but she did have some nice footage you know with her in it so just uh you know utilize what she has which you know she's never one to squander things
0: no and i i think like part of her uh part of what makes a lot of her documentary films and we'll definitely see this later on um so appealing is that her creative process uh feels baked into the movie and her sort of evolution and thinking about the, the subject, um, becomes a part of the film. And, um, you know, I think it makes the films richer in a lot of ways. Um, especially because she's able to balance that, uh, sense that she's working through the ideas with a, undercurrent of uh like feeling like she's two steps ahead of the viewer as well at the same time Mm -hmm. you know like there's there's um so much in here about politics and art and the um the way that cities are designed and constructed that she touches on uh you know explicitly but i think is um also sort of baked into the structure and the the visuals that she is presenting here um that makes the movie uh work on a lot of different levels um so yeah i mean i think like for me i don't really mind her kind of ramshackle uh, construction in terms of, of the way that she puts together some of her documentaries um, because there's just so much to to unpack both implicitly and explicitly in the work that she does. There does seem to be like a little bit of, um, and I don't know if she had seen any uh, uh, less blank films, but it, it definitely this movie definitely feels like it was influenced by, Uh, his work that he was doing, you know, for the previous 15 years or so. Um, It has that, you know, obviously, like, this is rich folk art territory that she's mining here. And um, the way she is both, I mean, she's, she's essentially doing four things here, I guess I would say, like, she's depicting this art um capturing a lot of this this work that is very ephemeral most of it's gone now you know even some of the stuff in it is already gone like they cut off the half of of one of the murals so that they could um catch drug dealers uh in venice beach um you know the 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 mural that was covered up by another building built directly next to it was just so tragic and depressing um and you know but then she's also do, you know presenting a portrait of these uh, artists the people who paint the murals um and their culture sort of surrounding it um and then she's she's also depicting this portrait of a city itself um you know and in particular the margins of a city um she they're literally the margins of, of the city because um she mostly focuses on Venice uh, in the West and then East LA on the other side. She very rarely ventures into the middle um, of Los Angeles, which is where Hollywood is. It's where, you know, Beverly Hills is, as you said. Um, It's where all the white people live basically in Los Angeles. Um, And then she's also sort of telling this other story about herself and her relationship with with this work, and with the city that she's depicting so there's a lot here i don't know that oh. you could actually um make a movie about all four of those things that like stuck together as like a cohesive through uh through line um but it but it did remind me of Bl- of Wes blank's work in that way just because there there's not his movies aren't um you know conventional uh, yeah. documentaries uh, even though they are of um, you know things that could potentially be depicted in more straightforward like PBS documentaries Yes,
1: yeah and I think that's always one of the things I appreciate about Varda is even when she's being uh, political about things just like with uh, One Sings the Other Doesn't um, it's not didactic like she's Presenting this information to you through the art of the people, but not then commenting with statistics or this, she's letting the people do the work. And it's funny, it's not, you know, it's not like, uh, direct cinema or cinema verite or, you know, it's not, it's not those, it's not some of like, uh, the males brothers or anything like that. It's not that kind of just like being there and not, not trying to intervene as little as possible. Her, her viewpoint and her persona and her, um, interest in the subject matter is always present and the way she interacts with it is always fascinating. Um, so that's what like that's what always uh shines in 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 these movies is when she uh i guess gets more when she really kind of digs into it in terms of like connecting herself to the subject matter and i think she she you know i haven't i haven't seen everything coming up later on but she does uh make herself a lot more um interactive with the things she interacts with yeah. uh, in her documentaries later and i think that that's where the bright moments are in that interaction in this movie is when she is uh you know you can hear people asking her like wait what oh that's a great point like i think there's the Harry krishna says something like oh no, that's a great analysis, and then repeats back what, what sounds like what Varda has asked in the form of a question back to us, the audience, something about a, us being a part of something bigger, kind of thing, um, in the stars, which was a very, which was a very cool little scene. Right before she then tries to sell everyone records, um, which also makes me laugh. <laughs> that's exactly. That's that. That's that. You know, the whole idea about religion. You know, that just in in two sections we get everything you need to know about organized religion look at the pretty colors and the way that everything (laughs) is flashy and juggling and let me sell you on god meanwhile the other one's like oh we're not like them you know i like to think of it as a spiritual thing and we're all tied into the universe and could you buy these records they're cheaper than you get them anywhere else and then it helps support us it's like that you know it's the two sides of religion that always i have the hardest time with the uh the bait and switch and the uh and the uh monetization of religion that uh and in those two shots she does it perfectly um i i see that's the thing about the movie that i liked is that the ideas in there though they're not i guess i was looking for a bit more cohesion in terms of a like a kind of like a thesis but in the end it really it, it, it is what it's about, which is about, it's about the murals, whether she goes off on little tangents and we get pieces of LA, pieces of uh, Venice in East LA, and the the communities there, and kind of like what's going on, um, the story is about the murals, and how this is a thing that has sprung up here, the culture is huge about it, and it is something that is is very fleeting. It's not going to last forever. It's not a permanent installation. It's not art that can be taken down and put like what they do with some Banksies now where they cut the wall out and then sell it. You know, this idea of commercializing these arts. You know, I think one guy, I think the guy, uh, I'm going to say Mortimer, um, you know, he paid hundred. He was paid $160 to do that beautiful mural outside yeah. the uh, Boxer's... Uh, Uh, bar and uh, you know the amount of work and time that went into something like that where you're you got a trompe l'oeil where you're kind of like going inside the painting inside and seeing him inside the painting painting the painting and then him holding the (laughs) painting which then he drew a picture of himself holding the painting looking like just all of that work is like that's someone who loves making art and and loves that idea of being playful like that and at the same time, it's about a a woman living in her memory of a husband that she no longer has. And kind of, like, that whole section is heartbreaking. At the same time, it's beautiful and fascinating. Which, to pull that off, to pull off that delicate balance of, you know, sympathy, empathy, and fascination, and beauty all together in one, in one little segment is absolutely stunning. Like that section is probably the, like one of the highlights of the, of the movie for me. Um,
0: yeah. I mean what you're talking about, like the sympathy, the empathy, like there's, you know, we, we talked about this on the, the, um, uh, the episode about, uh, Black Panthers, just how difficult it is to make a film about a subject that you are not sort of intimately, associated with that world you know that you are you're you're making uh it's different than anything else you know you can write about something um you can paint something that uh there's still certainly complications when it comes to the relationship between the artist and what's being depicted or or the writer uh journalist um but when you are actually you know show shooting film reflecting reality to, to whatever degree. You know, we, we as the viewer are constantly aware of the difficulty um, with, uh, of removing yourself from that uh, experience. And, and the fact that, that as a filmmaker, you're constantly making decisions about what to depict or not depict, both in terms of your framing. Uh, first, I mean, the first thing is just your subject selection But then uh, your your framing, uh, your uh, choices uh, in in the editing room, um, whether you decide to include uh, certain shots or not certain shots, the way that you do that is invisible to the majority of people that you are going to show your work to. And I think that's what makes film so powerful and so dangerous because when people see something on video, they believe it in a way that uh, it's impossible to um, mediate yourself out of the frame uh, in any other medium. And so I think, you know, the question that Varda is raising here and I think Uh, you know I'm not going to make any grand statements about the rest of her documentary work because I I think we need to watch a lot of it um, a lot more of it but I feel her in in this um, film more than any other film previous to this asking the question of how to do that and how to interact with your subject Um, you know I think like if you were going to make a documentary about somebody and you said here's the camera uh film whatever you want um you know do whatever you want with it and then we'll go in and you can uh, like i'll show you how to edit and you can edit it and then that'll be the movie um like absent of that like there's no way for you personally to be removed from the experience of depicting these people and this uh, culture and and you know this subject matter and i think she is very aware of that and you know struggles with it through the throughout this movie in a way that that can often feel a little messy and um and uh beside the point you know if you go into this yep. movie to pick looking just for a movie about you know what it what the the culture of mural making in los angeles um that could be seen very easily as a distraction which by the way i'm not saying that's that was that's your specific criticism of the film but i think it's you know it would be very easy to to arrive at that um conclusion and i think like you know this also ties into the, the next movie that she made which which was directly linked to this which is documentor, which mentor is liar in French. So it's the combination of documentary and, and liar or documentary filmmaker and liar. Like this is her kind of wrestling with this notion of like, what is uh, documentary filmmaking? And can I, depict these people in a way that is respectful and empathic of their situation without exploiting it or depicting it in a way that is too clearly my perspective instead of their perspective.
1: And that's why I think that, um, uh, Juliet Berto, I think, I think that is part of that process too. Like, Here's this thing that she's doing, which then doesn't feel truthful anymore and needs to be excised as a as a method as a method, Um, because there is that feeling that you can you know just like the way that the the murals will change as other people add or or change them you know, whether it's cutting off the heads and making an unexpected new piece of art, you know, and or adding, you know, adding a a junction box to the wall that exists there already. And so you're interacting with the art or graffiti, you know, spray painting over some portions of it with your own work. Um, You know, it's the same. It's the same way in which she is approaching this subject and making this documentary as well. There's no way to interact with these people and this subject without changing it somehow in terms of perspective of yourself. There's no easy way to do it. There's no, there is no way to not affect what you're doing. There's, you can never be completely and totally absent from the work because, yeah. like you said, every choice they make is a choice that you're making as the director which is your personal or your gut feeling or your artistic sense or everything all all of your lived experiences coming into this decision that is being made so it you're absolutely right i think that i said i think i said that earlier with this feels like like she has a like a transition is going on within her in terms of her approach to documentary filmmaking because there's sections that feel like her old travel logs where they're very playful like the murals on the cars or the kids skating in front of the murals set to disco music or um, you know there's parts of that that feel like what she how she would have approached it and then there's sections where you could tell that the subject matter really is a lot more delicate or serious than I think she maybe thought going into it. And so as it changes, she kind of changes what she's doing. Hmm. And cause like, I don't know if, uh, who's the, I'm probably going to get the name wrong. There's the gentleman at the beginning and at the end who's interviewed. Um, is that Mortimer? Yes, with a very thin blonde mustache. Is
0: the, the guy that paints the um, the wedding uh, portrait on the wall? Is that? No,
1: thing? no, that's Twitchell. Twitchell has the really giant human. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the gentleman who uh, the, the, the 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 document the the piece starts with this guy. He's in his house and he's talking. And then at the end, he's at his house talking about how he's the one who... I I tried looking up his name. I should have gone back and put the movie in to find his name. Um, And now I've completely lost my point. But (laughs) he said, he like, the way that he had... It's almost like she starts with these interviews in this very kind of formalistic, kind of, like, fun, interactive way. Is it the guy who
0: paints uh, or who has the... um the the blankets the throws no
1: no that's Twitchell too Twitchell's that's like Twitchell. That. he's got like six <laughs> he's got like six uh he's all over yes he has his blanket series he has his giant people series he has that bride series but no there's a, i want to say it might be mortimer he does like these really realistic he did the face of the lady um the singer um, oh he also okay his wife the, uh, his wife yeah his wife yeah and then he did he did a couple others and i think he's interviewed separately at the beginning at the end but it's such a different style of interview than all the other ones because it's in a space and his sunglasses are off and he's communicating about almost like what his feelings about It becomes a more kind of like honest interview about what his thoughts about painting and mural making is, and so he opens and closes it, and he's the one who talks about it being ephemeral and it doesn't last, and if they're interacting with it, that's part of the process, and that's part of the the fading and the destruction. Right. It's not meant to be forever. It's not meant to be uh, commoditized, and it's not meant to be um, hung in a gallery. And he he goes into all that. And it's almost as if those words needed to be done in that manner because that's like a more, it's like that's, that's the more kind of, it sounds stupid, like a more mature approach to it without it being kind of like uh, so uh, whimsical or cute about the subject matter because she takes that same approach with the Black Panthers documentary where she doesn't interject a lot of her about the politics but interjects about the humanity portions which she does here as well but it's about the art because as an artist looking at art we're getting to see her viewpoints about the idea of art and the temp- you know how it how it doesn't how uh, time affects it and how like, it's just a beautiful way of looking at it. So I kind of started uh, losing the thread here and just kind of going. But it's that idea that you can see her changing as a filmmaker within the film. Yeah, I hear I, you. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think, like, there is... It, the experience of, like, living around these... These uh, paintings and Mm. installations, or whatever you want to call them, um, is one of gradual realization as well. Um, You know, uh, these really are everywhere in Los Angeles, um, and some of them are very specific to the block or neighborhood that they are in. Um, Some of them, you know, there was a giant painting that was probably on like a five story building of uh, Lucy from I Love Lucy as the Vitamita Vegeman girl, um, (laughs) you know, that I would see every day driving to school. Um, So initially it is this thing i mean i never thought about it as something that that wasn't in every town and now they're in there they are a lot of places i mean uh i had a mural um when i lived in um uh new york that was um right around the corner from me of um oh what's her name the opera singer um i don't remember anyway um like the uh there is you know this sense of just like oh this is like what like there's a wall there so the why and not why not put a painting up <laughs> yeah um but you there is this gradual realization of like the richer history of um mural painting you know which really obviously like murals but like paintings have been painted on walls for thousands of years but um they weren't really called murals until uh, the 20th century and, you know, probably became most popular in this country from Mexican artists where there were there, the tradition stretched back much further. Um, but during the WPA there were a lot of, um, you know, highly political, um, murals that were painted all over the, um, the country, both inside and outside. Um, and there is, you know, a very political, uh, history to mural painting um and in particular in los angeles it's associated with the um chicano culture that uh, varda depicts here for for a large portion of the of the movie And, and for me is the most interesting portion of the film um and uh i think there there is a little bit of that uh sort of evolution of thinking or awakening of like what this mural process is in in probably the most linear fashion in the film in comparison to anything else in in the movie um because she kind of starts out in her narration a little bit more playful than she ends it um and it there does seem to be this gradual realization you know she's sort of like mildly amused by these murals when she first uh arrives in the city um you know and she's making jokes about los angeles east to los angeles west uh you know in french um yeah but um eventually she you know as she's seeing these people visiting these neighborhoods, talking to these um, artists, it does seem like there is a more um, you know, it, it, you're kind of uh, acclimated to the political culture of the uh, of the subject matter gradually within the movie um, to the point where you get to the woman who, uh, you know, organize this huge uh, mural um, along the the basin of the river um, imp- employing only uh, kids who had been to, to jail. Um, basically, you had to go... They, they make a joke that, like, crime pays because you had to go to jail in order to get the job uh, to, to help paint this mural. Um, and the mural itself is... Uh, both, I think, like, playful in the way that it incorporates, like, classic Hollywood things into, um, you know, more serious um, and, and non-Hollywood subject matters, um, but also, like, illuminating in the sense of, like, what Los Angeles, the push and pull of Los Angeles and the relationship between uh, the majority of its inhabitants and what it's known for and what the center of the city produces.
1: Yeah, I think uh, that section was was uh, was absolutely fantastic. Just uh, the uh, the concept of this uh, of this project and how how massive it is. Yeah. Um, like thousands thousands of feet long. Um, along the what do you call those vi- uh, viaducts? Or... Um. Yeah, it's it's, it's like a yeah. sluice, sluice way for the for the river to right. flow. That's been uh, ma- like man made. Um. It yeah, that's absolutely fantastic, and I think going off what you're saying about like her, it is that idea, right? Like, oh, look at these, look at these fun things. Like a pa- normal passerby or a tourist might be, like, oh, that's cool, and take a picture and just kind of move on. And as she is getting to know more and more people and more and more about the stories and more and more about the history within the, within the murals, um, you can see that her relationship to them changed, and I think that's absolutely, because that's, that's the same journey we're on, too, right? Like, as an audience member, this, here's a new subject, oh, that's cool, and, oh, well, you know, see, this is why they're different, they're different from advertisements, uh, they're different from billboards, um, but they have, fam- you know, they, some have famous people on it, some have people that aren't so famous, uh, or their stories, or, you know that she mentions at some point Diego Rivera and like uh, his the tradition of uh, of mural painting in uh, Latin American communities and and it's absolutely fascinating watching her go through the same kind of process journey that we the viewers uh, or people that aren't familiar as viewers with that whole tradition and region and area and methodology of making murals, how that is all so uh, different. And there's, like, mix within it, like, which is another layer of, of the of the piece, is um, there's still, like, a, a small bit of, uh, you know, uh, classism going on as well, because you've got kind of the... Uh, Chicano uh street artists who are doing these small murals on the sides of buildings then you've got these white uh artists who are getting much larger grants to do these massive five-story building you know uh paintings that you know or dwarf almost anything else in the area most likely yeah and uh so that becomes something interesting too. I will say there was one unfortunate bit of editing that I really, <laughs> I was like, ooh, I know what you're trying to do here, but uh, in light of all events that of history has uh, proven now into the future, the guy talking about cops coming in and beating uh, all the Mexicans in the, uh, in the neighborhoods and then cutting to kids hitting pinatas, I was like, that's not playful <laughs> anymore. <laughs> that's really, that's really that didn't age well, kid. <laughs> but otherwise than that, um, just listening to those stories, like I, I like that portion of it where the two of them were sitting and talking about kind of like their communities and uh, how the political messages behind their the, the paintings. And you know, we go from stuff like this is one depicting gang violence, which you know as a person growing up in Maine in the East Coast that's basically all we ever hear about yeah. is the gang violence and it's only one tiny section you know there's two paintings in which they talk about specifically about gang violence um, it's the one in that community that I think the the uh, the blues singer is talking about this, uh, the guy playing guitar and then yeah. later on uh, it's Willie Heron talking about uh, when he found his brother in an alleyway and he's how that moment kind of changed him and uh, made him the artist he that he became um, so hearing those stories really help n- you know it's hard to go back to being playful when you're when you're when you're getting these really kind of like yeah. uh, serious notes in, uh, within the piece. So I think, I think that helps with like some of the tonal shifts that I kind of had a problem with. But, it, you know, it, talking about it more, you see the through line more as we, as we kind of go through the different layers of the film. So it's easier to kind of, in retrospect go okay no I see this I see that Uh, maybe I was just surface leveling a little too much stuff when I uh, had my initial reaction
0: Um, no I mean I think if you go into a Varda movie because you um, really are interested in the subject matter and you aren't going in to watch a varda movie uh it can be a frustrating experience um, i think
1: that that also goes with going off of liking her last movie going into her next movie because she's she is never it's not hitchcock she's not perfecting right. one thing yeah if so you like to, right. yeah if you like one hitchcock you'll like them all yeah yeah
0: Yeah, no, I hear, I, I, I agree with that too. Yeah. There is a certain level of like, you can, not you kind of can't have a lot of expectations in terms of what you traditionally would have expectations about. Like if you liked a movie because of its genre or focus, um, that's probably going to be a problem for you. If you, if you, want to watch a documentary to like learn about murals i mean i think you learn quite a bit here but it's not really like again it's not like a and you know an hour-long pbs documentary about murals in los angeles like this is very much far to like you know um the way that she incorporates people in front of the murals uh both like walking naturally that are probably just people that were walking by, and then very stylized, you know, like the. I think she has um, her son walk by uh, holding a gun. Holding with, a gun. Yeah.
1: With, a, yeah.
0: with, kid, with the with the kid with the
1: beginning to the very first shot walking and leaning against the wall i think it is yeah, okay, yeah i think yeah. so um yeah at farm at the farmer's place farmer dan's no what's it called john farmers is that the name of the place at the uh, at the end with the the, the 1000 pig mural
0: yeah uh no that's not it i forget what it's called um,
1: that, that 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 whole section was amazing as well yeah i mean the guy
0: that like just paints pigs all day and and she's like do you like pigs and he's like not really
1: (laughs) i like to eat them i'll eat bacon (laughs) which is funny because you would think that like you know and and she touches on like it's it's fantastic because she touches on like a section of like someone could watch that and be like i'm never gonna eat like pork again yeah the whole idea of like Putting up this giant, happy Disneyland view of what farming and pigs are. Right, a slaughterhouse. To cover the, to the all these guys sharpening their knives, happily ready to go to work and yeah. kill as many pigs as they can. And then you find that number. Oh, yeah, we get about 5,000 pigs a day. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> that is ridiculous. That is a lot of dead animals <laughs> that are going on in there yeah. behind a wall of, like, playful pigs. Uh, so... I that that whole thing is both like that was also another like I have there I have I have like I wrote down like the highlights and some of the lows and so and that was always that's one of the highlights like that's yeah. fascinating and there's and, um, no
0: yeah and there's no um signatures on the yeah. mural no credit that, to yeah. the,
1: what the guy who died working on the scaffolding to paint and the guy who's been doing it for 30 years I think he said which is ins- like, that's just a, that's a, absolutely, that's dedication. He's just going back yeah. and touching up stuff as he, like, he's just walking around the building, retouching up stuff as they go. So it never fades and never gets old, which is, uh, which is uh, incomplete. Then we segue into that, you know, how those, those types of uh, murals are being like covered up or being destroyed or fading, yeah. which is, uh, which is a nice, like, little, transition into that idea
0: well and all of the murals that are are there for uh you know to promote a business whether it's that the slaughterhouse or the or the bar or the wedding uh gear uh business like this is the uh fundamental push and pull of a city that uh they're industry is an artistic industry. Like you are you are making your art um for a business uh in order to make money for somebody else um and and to make money for yourself too ultimately like you're not just making art for art's sake. I mean some of these people are who are painting these um you know the gang murals or the memorials all of that stuff like they're not getting paid for that.
1: Yeah, um, it's a, an expression of an expression that they're trying to make. Like that's a right. basic expression. Well, I mean, come on, man, it's, it worked for Christianity. You pay people to do these giant murals to sell Christianity yep. over yeah. and over again. It's the same. Like, you know, well, the same and and the issues.
0: murals on the on the unemployment bureau, like those are he he, he got paid to do that um, by the government. In order to, you know, I mean, I guess, I don't know, like promote the unemployment office. <laughs> like, it's a yeah. funny thing to be like, oh, let's have a have somebody paint something on the side of this wall.
1: Yeah, and it's like, you know, he goes, and you could tell, he kind of said, like, he pitched it as, I'm going to paint some unemployed people. And then, yeah. you know, he goes through the, a breakdown of intent of, you know, I wanted the women on the outside because they're always on the outside protecting. And then these men, I wanted them to be super masculine. and uh, But I ended up just painting my artist friends because uh, they're all unemployed too. <laughs> <place>. <laughs> and that was just great. And uh, I actually, you know, and that's one of those things where you start, you know, as a person who watches tons of films... You kind of, I think that's where my brain betrays me sometimes, is because I think this is going to be the natural pivot point for Varda, because this sets up early in the in the documentary. Here are these five artists. We're going to go explore each one's artwork, but we don't. Yeah, like these are just five artists, and we get introduced to them, and I think we see one other person's work um, out of those five, but that's it. And so I was like, oh, okay, so we're not going to go visit with each one of these artists because that would have been a perfect kind of, you know, uh, documentary idea. Who are these people? Oh, these are all artists. Oh, well, let's do a documentary about exploring each one of these artists and then the artists who painted these people. You know, that would have been a – that also would have been a fine documentary idea for what it's about, but uh, it's just another quick, like, little piece and, um, you know – constantly moving and, and evolving and changing and figuring out other sections and exploring and uh, like you said earlier the uh, involvement of the community in the pictures you know the idea of like hey roller skate by and when you get to that guy who's walking on the mural stop and pose like that yeah. guy. And the, you know you can see the guy kind of like misses the mark a bit and turns around and puts his hands up like was that good? Yeah, like, he was like kind that. of shrugging, yeah. And so and that's a choice that she made to leave that in, right. you know? Yeah. Not try to make it perfect and leaving that human that messy humanity in which makes it endearing, I think, which which works so well. Those are the sections that like I was like, yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, it's a it is, you're right. It's a it I can see very easily how the, the growth of her throughout the film and the community in which she's focusing on, which also is messy and chaotic and deep with history and um, how that all comes out. Um, as we continue to talk about it, once again, talking about movies makes me uh, like movies more. <laughs> Surprise! It's, it's like like we what, like what we like to do.
0: I mean, it, it would be interesting to like chart the, stru- the structure of this film because there are some um, artists who come back. You know after being depicted early in the piece obviously yeah that one guy i forget his name that you mentioned um the, that painted the bit that paints the big people oh um, yeah uh
1: twitchell I yeah because he has a weird name twitchell. yeah
0: um he's he's probably the one that's featured the most in the film but then there are other artists that we only see for uh you know a couple seconds and only in the place you know one place that they painted something um i thought the portraits uh the the murals in in the um middle school were spectacular like the the boys and girls restroom signs were were incredible um and uh you know that guy was i found like really fascinating who had actually gone to the school and came back um, yeah
1: and, and the principal wanting to hire someone to yeah. do those murals, to beautify the school of it. I love his statistics at the beginning. Yeah, we've got about 800 students, Three, uh, one Caucasian, one white. Yeah. four Samoans, and everyone else is black. Yeah, <laughs> and, they, and Varda gets a picture of the one Caucasian kid who just kind of looks and smiles, and that's it. It was I thought that was so, that was awesome. That was such a good... Uh, did did you see the
0: the poster in the one of the hallways that was like a kid that was like crying and it says like teacher don't give up on me yes (laughs) don't give up on me maybe don't put that in the school where the kids can see it i don't know (laughs) um yeah but uh... another example is like that incredible um forest on the side of this giant wall in the middle of, like, a concrete jungle was just, like, so amazing. Um, So, like, yeah, there's these, like, individual moments. And there is, like I said, like, there does seem to be this through line of, like, a gradual awakening of, like, the power of these things. But from from a purely, like, structural perspective, there's... it, It does feel like it's going where varta wants to go in that like what feels right it almost feels like you know a poem uh, mm-hmm. a little bit more than than a, an essay yeah. um and you know i can definitely appreciate that but i think it is it can be uh frustrating viewing for people who are not going in to see a movie i guess i should say yeah. like if you're not if you're not going to watch this as a movie and you want to watch it as a uh as as a, a lesson in mural painting in Los Angeles it could end up being less appealing
1: yeah it's a it's very fitting that one of the final sections of the movie like speaking of this movie being like multiple things but also a reflection of Varda's growth as a filmmaker within in relationship to the subject within the film is you have that reflection of the it's a giant mural of the city street empty of that neighborhood that is a reflection of what's, like, like opposite it. So, like, you have that, uh, it's like a, it's a giant mural of, like, the streets but empty. And I think the, I think one of the passerbys says, I never really noticed that there was no one on the streets in that. <laughs> and you know he goes it's just it's just a picture of what's over there and the camera pans over and it is it's that same street corner um, that you know so it's it's not like it's showing it's showing basically that world but without anyone in it which is a which is a very interesting you know piece and then having it be a reflection of that city and of that time and of that space and this being a reflection of Varda in that time and that space is uh, has a nice uh, poetic uh, ring to it as well. Um, yeah, I think uh, the other aspect of it that kind of symbolizes kind of uh, like what she's trying to get at and not be a normal documentary is the fact that she doesn't ask people about what they think about the murals until almost the end of the documentary. I think the first person we get that she asks about the murals is the lady who sings. Then we get a, uh, a young woman, a young mother talking about, you know, the pain and the people that are, uh, you know, wanting to express their history. And then we get those guys talking about never really seeing that no one is in that streets and it's probably the apocalypse. It's what, what happens when everyone's gone. Uh, that's it. Like, those are the only people that, and then the, uh, you know, the two religious people, those kind of are less commenting on art and more commenting on religion. But, yeah, they don't, she doesn't do the man on the streets asking what you think of the art.
0: I mean, I think, like, most people would m- probably say, like, oh,
1: yeah, you know,
0: I've, I've noticed that there. I
1: okay. mean,
0: that's the thing. Yeah. Like, if something's not in a museum, people usually don't pay much attention to it. You know?
1: Yeah, there's there's no gate yeah, there's no gatekeeper saying this is important yeah. so it's not as in, as important and if you're like growing up with it you also don't recognize it anymore as something special because like you said you just thought this was what everyone had yeah. Is giant paintings on their wall uh, of their buildings so to ask people that is to be like oh well, I don't know yeah it's fine yeah I don't, <laughs> i i buy my newspaper here that's all i know That's yeah I've been doing that for her for 25 years and
0: and that that is the value of of the outside eye like to be able to come in and say like no this is actually really unique i mean that's the thing mostly like about you know regional culture um in general and 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 specifically in this country like there are you know we we both live in the boston area there are there's uh you know countless things that you could write books and make documentaries about and that are very specific to this area to new england to the the east coast like there's a lot you know i mean you're from maine like maine has uh specific regional cuisine with to within like a five mile radius of each part of maine um so like you know when you are growing up somewhere, you just kind of assume like, oh, that that's how everybody makes their subs, right?
1: <laughs> like, yeah, well, the fact that the first time my mom came here and we went to a sub shop, she ordered an Italian, yeah, a ham right. Italian. <laughs> in Maine, if you order an Italian, an Italian's a sub. An Italian comes with these standard things. Right. And then you say whatever meat you want in it. And... It's that it's that idea. Like she never got a sub outside of <laughs> Maine, so it's like, oh, why has this got all this other stuff on it? Well, you ordered an Italian, mom. Well, I said a ham Italian. I didn't ask for salami. I didn't say salami Italian. Uh, and it's that it's that exact same thing. And having that regional.
0: But but until you know, somebody until you go somewhere else or somebody goes yeah. to to you, you don't know that that is something that's specific to your area you think that's just like the way everybody does it you know
1: i have such a funny thing that's so inappropriate to talk about on our podcast that i'll talk to you about afterwards about that very same <laughs> thought um <laughs> so um no that'll I be agree. on the patreon it, that we don't there have there you go the, travis is <laughs> really inappropriate thing to talk about um it's that it's that idea of, of uh, the outsider, right? And that that's what makes, that's what makes my interactions with films some of my favorite. Is learning, yeah. is is doing that. Is learning new cultures, exploring, going places. Like I remember when the first time I went to Bogota, Colombia, uh, with my wife, I was fascinated and taking so much picture of uh, stencil graffiti. Mm. Um, they had a very there was a big like, you know, uh, street art movement at that time of, like, stencil graffiti. So people making these stencils are very... Like, there's this one that was, like, in three different places, and it was just... uh, It was two, like, pink geese, and their their heads touched to make a heart, but they also... It was also kind of... And then there was an arrow going through it, kind of like the typical mom tattoo with an arrow going through, but it was two pink geese doing that and hmm. the name of the art and it was always says was Ganzas roses which is like pink geese but it's guns and roses hmm. and so it had like two pistolas going through <laughs> it as well sometimes and it was just these pink geese and so it's like i was just laughing i thought that was like it was just it was everywhere it's kind of like uh boston has uh the uh, shepherd fairy type yeah. art that's uh, everywhere you know the andre has a posse kind of stuff um that's the you know that's the stuff that she grew up with and had no like why are you looking at that you know, <laughs> like i think it's fascinating like this is this is something that i didn't have growing up and i think it's i think it's absolutely beautiful like that's the kind of stuff that i want to uh I like to explore, and it takes that. It takes someone coming into your town to say, hey, do you know you have this yeah. in your town? What? You know, and that's that's the fun. When we moved to Boston, that was the same thing. My wife started making a list. Here's all the stuff that we got to do while we live here, because, and we share these lists, like, oh, yeah, we went to this place. Oh, I didn't know we had one of those. I've lived here my whole life. I'm like, yeah, because you lived here. You, don't, you right. don't think you need to do any of the touristy things, but that's that's the fun part. And yeah, having that outsider eye on things, it's what makes everything more interesting. And she has a fantastic eye for, for finding these things, which I, I, I always appreciate.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's the other thing, like we danced around this, but like the way that she shoots this, these murals is, is wonderful. And, um, you know, I think this is again just in in just for the 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 murals the depiction of these murals alone this is such an invaluable portrait of los angeles um and something that is very specific and precious in los angeles that is constantly changing and evolving um but we have this moment in time and and such a great depiction of a wide variety of styles um it's just so so spectacular and really special um the 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 other thing we we haven't talked about yet is the is the actual murmurs in the movie which is somebody whispering the name of the artist yeah (laughs) Uh,
1: I, i i i was Fascinated and equally frustrated with that. I,
0: I felt, I felt like the first time I watched this movie, like, I, I was like, what is somebody like saying something? What is happening? Like, what? I
1: didn't pick up he was <laughs> yeah. saying the artist right. names until after the first sound, like song, finished. Like, there's, you know, there's music yeah. at, at a purse like in the uh in betweens or a lot of the, mu- a lot of like. A, diegetic or local music. I I did like that like there was music from the area, someone singing or someone playing a, an instrument and she used that music, but I thought it was part of the music right not someone was like saying totally. something. Totally. And a lot of times even with it cranked, I have no idea what the guy said unless I could also read the name of the artist on the mural. Yeah. So I was like I just I just tuned out like after a while. <laughs> Like, just the that person murmuring the artist's voices was both like, oh, what a great way of doing this, but also what an insulting way of doing this that you can't understand the name of the artist. <laughs> and it was also interesting on the Criterion disc because once I started realizing they were doing that, I wanted to throw the subtitles on so I could actually get the names, and there is no subtitles yeah. for the hard of hearing on that one. It's just you can either have Varda's subtitles on or not. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I think, uh, um, you know, What I mean, other than like the, the murmurs pun uh, of yeah. it, it also like struck me just like how huge these murals are and how small they're they They've been signed in most instances and how anonymous they are for people. Like it's so, I mean, what are the chances that anybody is going to see a mural walking down the street and think like, oh, who painted that? Like, I can't, you know, I need to find that out. Um,
1: And it goes to that idea of that, like a lot of murals are being paid for by the businesses that reside within. So even if you see it, you're just going advertisement. Right. We We have a local cinema that has the same thing on the back and on the side there's like you know paintings about the movies and so you automatically just go oh, that's cool it's about the movie theater and you're not looking to see who made it or the the new one the beautification of uh of electrical boxes in town yeah you have those too right like yeah the, the local artists uh um paint those as well now and they're absolutely fantastic i love seeing them they brighten my day every day i smile i laugh i you know I'm like oh that's cute that's adorable oh, that's awesome i like that one you know and that's what that's what it should do like that i think that's you know some some of that is what art is supposed to be yeah doing definitely it. like it's supposed to be beautifying the world and just you know whether it's uh, has a story to tell or where it, what, what emotions go into it you know you just have that second to interact with something gorgeous even if it's uh, you know like in the movie on the 55 or on the, I can't remember what the Pacific coast highway. And you just see for a brief, quick second, that one mural of, uh, of Mexican farmers working in a yeah. field that you barely see because you're driving by so fast, you don't get to notice it. Um, you know, those are those moments where you're like, everyone has seen that mural because of its location. And I think that's absolutely, that's absolutely fantastic.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, obviously like I think, um, you know, artists should get credit for their work. And, uh, it's important to recognize great art. Um, but at the same time, like that's not really the point of art. Um, and, and I think art in, of this nature in particular, you know, like m- most people, uh, who get, value out of these murals to have no idea who who painted them or even why they painted them in a lot of cases um and you know i mean like what's the most uh, well-known piece of folk art in boston uh it's probably the sitco sign
1: <laughs> it, you're absolutely right you know we, we we filmed in the worst part of town the other day like it was the most inconvenient for everything we were doing so a piece of the sicko sign could be seen from the front porch <laughs> when we put our characters there.
0: Yeah, right. And, and I mean, like, that, that's definitely true in L.A. too. Like, there was a, um, there was a foot doctor sign in Silver Lake um, near where I grew up. And it was a rotating sign for, like, a podiatrist or whatever. Um, and on one side, it was, like, a, a foot that was um, sick. And it was like on crutches and it had like a bandage around (laughs) it. Um, It's like, you know, below its toes. And it was kind of sad. And then on the other side, it was the foot after it had gone to the foot doctor. And he was like super happy and healthy. And it was like a happy foot. And um, this sign became like when the business left, the sign became like so significant that when the business left, somebody bought the sign they like had an auction for the sign and then the person who bought it like put it on their building so that people would like know that they had saved the sign (laughs) Uh um so it's like Uh you know i mean like there's uh there's there's a huge amount of cultural value in your surroundings and especially in los angeles like where you are driving everywhere or you know on a bus for for a lot of people who don't have cars like there is um a a certain way that you interact with your you know this this concrete sprawl that has spread out over um, miles and miles uh of the desert and that becomes your you know canvas on which you can kind of express yourself or you can interact with the expression of other people. And it becomes extremely nostalgic and emotional for people, the relationship, um, to that work. Um, and I think that's what makes this such a powerful film for me because you, you see the, people behind this work that is so important to the fabric of los angeles and most of them are people that are not um often seen in depictions of los angeles and even in the day-to-day lives of most people who live in the middle of los angeles so you know to to see this kind of seldom traveled portion of a, of, you know, probably the most filmed city in the world, um, is, uh, really important. Um, you know, I can kind of count on my two hands, the number of movies that I really feel like capture Los Angeles, um, as I experienced it growing up. And I think as a lot of people who live in Los Angeles experience it, um, and this is one of them, and so I mean that's why this movie is so important to me personally. Um, but I but I also think it's you know got a lot of value for people who have never been to Los Angeles, um, just because of of the way that Varda constructed her her um, experience making the movie and and put that into the fabric of the film.
1: I I. I agree with you 100%. I think, I think it's about Varda's relationship and the cultural significance of the document that she has made of capturing that time, and that place, and those pieces of art. Um, it's it's truly remarkable that um, no one had focused on. It ta- it takes someone coming from out of town to see the value of something as beautiful as that um and i yeah that's that's what's that's what's fantastic about the the whole film that like at the end of the day even if like you know what i said earlier where i had like problems interacting most of the things i had problems interacting with are filming technical uh choice things that have nothing to do with the Process of what the movie is yeah. and what it's about, and, and like the, you know, when I say those things, it's quibbles about you know just technique, which has nothing to do with uh, the overall impact of what the film is and what the film does, and uh, it is pretty, it is pretty impressive. Um, it's almost kind of like uh, in Lions, Love, and Lies when she's just doing those car rides through the city, yes, and you're seeing all that all that stuff that's no longer there, all that stuff that's gone, the information and the people and the, the signage and the buildings and that stuff is absolutely beautiful because it captures that place in time that, um, you know, when Hollywood makes movies that take place in Hollywood, they rarely capture that kind yeah. of information. Right. Because they're, you know, making already making a fictitious, uh, better version of their area than what it is, um, you know. Even movies like like La La Land does that you know everyone focuses on the, the, the hallmark places that um, everyone knows or this just uh, the stuff that only an outsider kind of like goes picks up and is amazed by it's like when tourists go to New York City and just drop their jaw and always are rubbernecking up at the size of the buildings it's things that new yorkers take for granted but it takes someone from the outside to know how yeah. so absolutely fascinating it is
0: totally her intro for this movie was like two seconds it was so short dude
1: i was so bad because she usually goes yeah deep. she talks for a while this one is just like murmurs and document tour the last image of the first yeah. starts the second one the end Click. yeah <laughs> like wait what you have nothing to say about this that's weird yeah and no uh no commentary no interview no anything so uh yeah yeah.
0: i mean i i think this movie i don't know i mean to me like it, it is a kind of significant film in in her her filmography but it does get short shrift it seems um in general uh, i i know almost all of her films that were on that eclipse set were not available in the u.s until that eclipse set was released so that may be you know part of the reason and obviously the uh, janet maslin didn't like it so i guess it got and this this actually pr- premiered at can um to mixed reviews i don't know if documentor if it was both of them that that were screened together, um, but uh, it does seem like this was kind of received with a, sh- a bit of a shrug. Um, but again, like that may just be because um, it it, ha- it it has more value in the in the context of the rest of Varda's work.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think when looking at overall. I think yeah this this makes much more sense and I think uh, like with everything once you wrap once you go back to these films the a deeper appreciation and understanding can be had um, the two I read an interview in the interview book that we've been following along with um, her talking about that um, and then the second one I think the interview ends with Varda saying you know we really didn't talk at all yeah. about murmurs <laughs> And I was like well (laughs) yes I noticed that too (laughs) these two interviews say very little about what's going on here yeah Um, and then I read in one book a uh, a critique not a critique but kind of like it was trying to explain how Varda's film Murmurs uh, puts her in a certain style of filmmaker just for this movie like cinema pasteurs it's called um in which it's kind of like identifying it's what we've talked about today it's her identifying as a person the subject and being a part of it they reference gleaners and i a yeah. bunch and they talk about how it's part of kind of like her growth as a as a documentary for the cinema uh, director in which she enters into this new phase and so that was that was it was interesting but it was uh really really dry the article and wasn't very uh, uh informative it was just it was like a college essay and I was kind of like meh yeah and, um yeah there's no 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 life no 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 life to the essay
0: gotcha but i do feel like that is an accurate representation i mean i guess we'll see mm-hmm. um as we go on um um or was there anything else on this one
1: um, I don't think so I think we uh, I mean without going through every single mural and kind of talking about it I think we, <laughs> I think we you know we hit we hit the the big points and uh, you know once again talking about the film helped me kind of digest and different light you know just the the concepts we talked about and the way that uh, my opinion of the film changed and grew uh, just like Varda's own opinion of her subject matter changed and grew throughout the course so was Travis making an elaborate like just a statement about the entirety of the film and how Varda changes, changes? no I just I just like talking about movies so start talking about it and I'm like oh and making all these connections that your points you're bringing up that helped me put fill in those little gaps that i was having on my own so it was very uh, it was nice
0: so where where are you going to slot this movie for now i i think there'll there will be a more definitive landing after the next film but
1: yeah because this is really like i read i think that the next one's only like 60 minutes yeah from, right Cause it is short to be a yeah for this mm-hmm. she said something uh, one of the interviews i read She had an intention for making this a three-part movie Hmm. and I don't think that happened obviously but uh yeah it was very interesting to I can't remember the exact details but it was something like you know these two parts that she made and then the third part was supposed to be fully fictitious like with no reference to the others so it kind of removed like Three times removed from the original kind of source stuff. But obviously. Um, okay, so where I slot this. So going from my my lowest to my highest. Um, Nausicaa is still number nine. Uh, point Quartz, eight. Lays Creatures is seven. Murmurs comes in. It's it's. I'm having a hard time, Murmurs and Lions. Uh, I want to put Murmurs ahead of Lions, but then sometimes I responded better to Lions. But I think in the long run, uh, Murmurs, I think, does more for me in the sense of understanding a place in time. I think there are better examples of that Scene that is in Lions Love and Lies in terms of like what it is, I, not that I'm saying that it's not an enjoyable film and Varda's uh, uh, ideas about that counterculture movement weren't uh, wholly correct and uh, interesting to watch. But there's something about murmurs and the uh, the folk art, the uh, the mural work that just kind of makes it more attractive and compelling to me. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go Lace Creatures, then Lions, then Murmurs, and then Daguerreotypes. There's something about the Daguerreotypes. I could just live in that movie forever and ever, um, that tiny little French town. It's basically, it's, that, that movie is the, uh, is the uh, film version of what everyone experiences when they go on vacation. Where it's like, look at this little <laughs> thing. I could live here forever. Yeah. And not really taking into consideration, like, uh, you know, all the stuff that goes into trying to survive in a place like that. But, anywho, um, then I have Cleo, then I have One Sings, and I have Lae So, um, yeah. So, it comes right there in the middle.
0: That right sounds the, uh, good. number
1: five spot.
0: Um, I'm close to you. I'm going... Let's see here, Nausica, point court creatures, uh do I, do I actually do I have creatures lower than point no, point court creatures, daguerreotypes, lions love, murmurs,
1: yeah,
0: one sings, um, no, Clio, Clio, there you go, one sings and lebonnaire,
1: all right, hey, that's <laughs> not bad. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I have daguerreotype slightly lower than you, but um, yeah, simil- that's, similar similar situation.
1: T- totally personal take, Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Yes.
0: So next time uh, we are going to uh, be covering Documentor, as I mentioned, it's a very very much a uh, a companion piece to this film to the point where the the p- poster uh, advertised both films uh, at the same time. Um, so uh, it will be an unusual uh episode in that sense because we will continue to uh talk about murmurs a little bit although obviously there's quite a lot more uh going on in documentor uh that is unrelated to the subject matter at least uh, of this film
1: yeah that and we have a whole mess of short films to cover yes
0: quite quite a lot in between uh documentor and uh the the massive mammoth, uh, epic film that, uh, we'll be following <laughs> in the, in the episode after but we're going to bring a friend along. Yes, we today, definitely so. will.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm looking forward to, uh, to, uh, seeing this companion piece and, uh, and helping, uh, help, uh, fully appreciating, uh, what it's going to do and what her and what her vision was in, uh, in total and I think with that we're complete for another week